Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Who exactly is Fields supposed to throw to, right? I mean, I feel like this man needs a representative receiver core before anyone can really truly evaluate him, right? Like he is really, he's impossible to really truly evaluate. Seriously, though, some of the takes on the Bears have gotten a little silly. We know that it's a rebuilding year, right? We know that Fields has no one to throw to. How are, how are so many people ripping Justin Fields? We'll get into all kinds of takes just like that here coming up in just a little bit. But first and foremost, it's the Bears Wire podcast. Welcome in. And just a quick reminder that you can support our fun little weekly program here by hitting the subscribe button. Just find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're all over the place. Uh, we appreciate Bears fans and, of course, you for joining us this week. I'm Ryan O'Leary. I'm joined by Alyssa Barbieri of USA Today's Bears Wire. Alyssa, I'm excited for this week, as always, but especially right now, because I know, judging from some of your tweets on Sunday, I know you've had some Bears rants in the slow cooker, right? They've now reached the proper temperature, and you now have free reign to take all your frustrations about the football team out on the show this week. Oh, I'm ready. That's the great thing about doing. We film this show on a Tuesday. So normally, because they play on Sunday, most of the time, uh, you have a couple days to let them them simmer. And, you know, this is a loss that, you know, I even wrote was more frustrating than the Packers loss, which is kind of crazy. But you expect to lose to Green Bay. But when you have a team, like you mentioned last week, Ryan, that is nearly identical to the Bears and the Giants. And... The Giants dominated that game, and it's a lot closer than the score to indicate. I mean, they were down both quarterbacks, and Saquon Barkley was in their quarterback at one point, yeah. and you still had no answer for them. And, I mean, it's just frustrating because that's a game that they should have won. And when you see that, you're like, oh, man, it's still a reminder of how far away this team is from being a good team, and it also kind of makes you think they're definitely in the conversation for worst team in the league at this point. I would There are a couple others that throw in there, but they're definitely in the conversation. So, I mean... This is just a bad loss. Uh, there's a lot that went wrong. I mean, all everything from offense, defense, special teams, the coaching. I mean, you do not – they were out-coached and out-played the entire game by a bad Giants team that's now 3-1. and one. So, I mean, oof, that was a rough one. Definitely out-coached. I definitely agree with you there. And it was so annoying when Jones got hurt and then Tyrod Taylor got hurt. And they have that drive they finished with Saquon Barkley as the quarterback, Alyssa. And then they bring Daniel Jones back out on one freaking leg. And he's clearly just going to hand it off. And they were still picking up yards and running out the clock. It was like, oh, my God. So annoying. That is the Bears team. That is the Bears team that we have to cover for another freaking, how many, oh, God, another few months this is going to be. But we're going to try to keep it lively you know here we got we got plenty to say about this team we do and and that's one thing it's the gift that keeps on giving there's plenty of topics with the bears and fans you know we were talking about things simmering maybe boiling over and right now one thing that has bears fans uh boiling is luke getsy's gutless play calling and i think that word is that word needs to be in there gutless um his play calling has come under fire Alyssa. 
And just a few of my observations from the game, but I definitely want to get your take because I know you've really done a deep dive into this, but just a lot of handoffs on first and second down, a lot of handoffs on second and long. Uh, You know, and sometimes it kind of works. Like in that first red zone trip, uh, you're down seven to three. You have a second and 12 from the Giants 14. You run the ball on second and 12. You pick up nine, so that's good. Now you have third and three, and you run it again. Just a little halfback dive, just getting really tight and conservative around the goal line. I thought that was an observation. Um, You know, getting yourself constantly in third and long, which is just not a space to be, and then calling really conservative plays because you're kind of nervous about your pass protection, right? Which was really bad, which we'll get into. I don't know. I just think you go 0 for 3 in the red zone. You settle for field goals, Alyssa. And I think the, the Bears almost seemed like they were planning they wanted the field goals. Like they were more comfortable just playing it safe and kicking a field goal instead of letting fields go and make a play. Right. And I think that's, what's probably frustrating bears fans the most, but what, when it comes to Getzy's play calling and the game plan for this ball game, what, what do you think? What's, what's at the top of your notes? What's, what's uh what's your best rant about the play calling? <laughs> so like, obviously after the game, I was more livid about it. Cause you're just kind of like in the moment you watch the game and going back and watching, it's clear, and I want to lead off with this, it's not all on Luke Getze. They're, like, the execution, the lack of execution, I should say, from the entire offense is contributing to how, just how bad they are. But, you know, like you said, I mean, it's getting frustrating how just, I mean, they're so predictable, this offense. You just know that the only thing they can do is run, and Luke Getze kind of seems content to just keep on running until they can't run anymore, which... Again, if you can do it and you win games because of it, good for you. But the Bears did not win this game, and they needed a passing attack. And, I mean, it was rough. I mean, you mentioned the red zone going 0 for 3. When you look at the 12 potential points left there uh, out on the field and this being an 8-point game, granted things change. You can't just kind of look at it at that point. But at the same point, you see how conservative especially he gets in the red zone and I can't remember the exact stat, but I think there was this, even heading into this game, where you, like how many runs were called in the red zone compared to passes. And I think it was like one pass, like compared to the rest runs or something like that. It was crazy. And like, again, I get it. When you have this, at that point, they had the second best rushing attack. They have the number three now. Uh, of course you want to lean on the run game. Like that is the strength of this offense. And clearly Justin Fields has had his struggles and, a strong run game is going to be a quarterback's best friend. But at the same time, it's, you know, Getze needs to open things up a little bit, spread it around. And again, it's not just on Getze, it's Fields. You know, there were a couple of missed throws that he had in this game. He's not getting any protection from the offensive line. Uh, like we're going to talk about later, the receivers outside of Darnell Mooney, like no one could come down with the ball. You know, there were some that were dropped, some just miscommunication. I mean, it was really frustrating. But also when you see there were a lot of hiccups that he had and you could tell like with something like when something isn't working, he kind of seemed to stick with it. Like he's like, and that kind of reminded me a little bit of Matt Nagy, like, okay, I'm going to run my game plan. I mean, it's just, it was frustrating. I mean, we're four games in, I have to remind myself, keep perspective. He's a first time play caller. He's learning on the job as well. But again, that was a risk that the bears took in hiring a first time play caller is that you're going to have these bumps, you know, like with a first-time head coach and Matt Eberflus. Like, I mean, you're going to have that. So it's understandable, yes, but it's just really frustrating because it's some of the same things that we've seen over the first four games. So 
I mean, it needs to be cleaned up all around, but Luke Etsy's just, I mean, it, it's very conservative and I understand because they, I mean, it's clear and they're not going to say it, but they don't have a lot of faith in Justin Fields right now. And Justin Fields doesn't have a lot of faith in himself right now. And that's up to them. They need to get him to that point. And that starts opening things up a little bit. So, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> this Vikings game is going to be brutal a little bit. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's not, it, it's Getsy and it's everyone else as well. I mean, it's just all around again. Hey, good news though, Ryan. Justin Fields actually eclipsed 100 passing yards in the first half, which I was shocked completely shocked that that happened so i mean there is progress being made on fields this part but everything else around him it's not looking good getsy did dials one thing up right he did have one trick up his sleeve in the passing game and it was the uh, cole commit screen uh so this was another thing that annoyed me in the game um later in that first half after the special teams came up with a little turnover and then field scrambled for a first down on another third and long they were in third and long all day it was like ridiculous but third and ten Fields scrambles, picks up the first down. Uh, now you get yourself at another third and long, right? Third and 15 because you ran the ball on second and 10, didn't go anywhere, and then we had a false start. So it's third and 15, and what do the Bears do? Cole Komet, little bubble screen or whatever that was. Right? The quick throw to Cole Komet, picks up six. You just kind of wash your hands with it and say, all right, we're going to kick the field goal. And that's fine. That's fine until the second half happened. And on the third, and they had another, like, short, this, this one was third and six, Giants 14, after a good little drive right out of the, right out of halftime, right? Fields made some really good throws there coming out of the locker room. You run another Cole Komet screen, Alyssa, on third and six that goes nowhere and gets blown up, and then they kick another field goal. It's like, guys, can we get Darnell Mooney that screen, or can we, like, figure out something for Valus Jones Jr. to do besides muffing a punt? Uh, you know, can we... I don't know. Is Cole Komet like our best athlete to do these like little screen passes with? Why did they think that was going to work? It was just like that kind of annoyed me too during the game. I mean, I'm actually not opposed to to the Cole Komet screen pass, but it has to be executed, right? You know what I mean? Because like Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney were the two playmakers uh, that were that even Matt yeah. Eberflus talked about in, after the first week about needing to get them or maybe it was second week, whatever, about getting them more involved in the passing game to really let it thrive. And I think Komet is someone if given the opportunity and put in, you know, the right position, he can really help this passing offense. So not entirely opposed to that. The execution of it, yeah. <laughs> but, hey, there's a screen, pa- a screen pass to Cole Komet. That's something that didn't happen all season up uh, until last week. But And you also mentioned Bayless Jones. Um, yes, that punt, I mean, it's not going to define his career. He's going to be fine because uh, you saw he had a, he had some bursts in the, some of those, uh, those returns. I just – I can't believe he did not play a single offensive rep. Like – None. And I was like, I know they're probably playing it safe with him because he's coming back from a hamstring injury. But again, if he's good to go on special teams, you can't get him out there at all. You know, he's your top offensive draft pick and you would like to see him. I mean, especially when you need a spark on offense, he's someone that can provide a spark. And that's why I was a little confused. I'm like, you want to see something different from Luke Getze, you know, coming, going back to Getze. Like you want to see him kind of try something new kind of, Try to shake things up. You know, get you need a spark in this passing game. There is none. Uh, so I'm hoping that, you know, we're heading, uh, you know, into next week against the Vikings, that we do see Bayless on offense. I would like to see that a little bit more. Please don't contain him to just special teams. But, yeah, uh, I mean, outside of Darnell Mooney right now, I mean, Equinania St. Brown, you know, he's had his moments in the first couple of games. But outside of Mooney, like, 
who does Fields have that he can really trust, you know? Not much, not much. Yeah, and, and St. Brown's been good, but a lot of it's been kind of like they've kind of thrown him open with some trickery, right? Like <laughs> some, yeah. you know, flea flickers and whatnot. Dante Pettis really wasn't, I didn't see much of him in this game. Uh, you know, I think he was out there, but I don't remember making any plays. Yeah, he had he had a critical thir- uh, drop on third down. Okay, that well, was there, a beautiful yeah. throw by Fields. And I'm just like, come on, man. And I'm like, he is, though he's technically the fifth or sixth receiver on this roster, technically, because other people are on IR and all that. And I'm just like, and again, that's when you would like to see Bayless Jones, you know, like I would, let's kind of try to shake it up. But they were playing basically with, at receiver with Mooney, St. Brown and Pettis at that point. So, I mean, do you really expect a lot of success with that group? I mean, it's rough. Yeah, it is. And we're, and we're going to get into it here coming up. Lots more takes on this, uh, on this game and where the Bears are at with their coaching and their playing. Um, in the second segment, with our questions of the week, I have questions designed to pull hot takes out of Alyssa. So it's going to be perfect. She's got them ready to go. We're going <laughs> to we're going to get those out of her here coming up next. But first, uh, Corey Bonini of the Huddle.com has his fantasy plays of the week. I got to check that out, Alyssa, because I am struggling. My fantasy football teams are not up to par. I had an opponent keep Michael Thomas in his lineup. Must have forgot to take him out of his lineup because of the London game or whatever. That early morning kickoff left Michael Thomas in for a goose egg. And I still lost. That shouldn't even be possible. I was so upset about that. So yeah, I need all the help I can get. Corey Bonini is going to set us up and then we'll be right back. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. The first month of the fantasy football season is now behind us. I'm Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number five. Quarterback Derek Carr, Las Vegas Raiders at Kansas City Chiefs. The Raiders put their backs against the wall with an 0-3 start. And if they have any chance of keeping in the mix for the AFC West, it begins with beating Kansas City on Monday night. The Chiefs have allowed 2.5 touchdown passes per game thus far, which is tied for the most in football. Only one in 175 attempts has been intercepted, and just four teams have given up more yardage through the air to the position. This matchup is 23.4% easier than the league average, and Carr has the weapons to get the job done. Running back Ramondre Stevenson versus the Detroit Lions. This matchup is tremendous for success on the ground, and the Patriots are in line to lean heavily on the rushing attack if quarterback Bailey Zappi ends up starting. Detroit has granted a rushing score every 11 attempts, which is the highest frequency by more than five carries. Eight times a running back has carried the into the end zone, and the 116.8 ground yards per game sits as the sixth highest figure in football. Stevenson makes for a quality start in any fantasy setting. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver Devin Duvernay versus the Cincinnati Bengals. He was targeted a season high five times last week, catching four for 51, but he failed to score a touchdown for the first time in 2022 if you include a special teams TD in the mix. He has at least 6.2 PPR points in each game, and that's if you remove the touchdown, and the vertical threat is worthy of a gamble in deep leagues. The Bengals haven't given up much to receivers in 2022, but the Ravens are one of the most explosive offenses and five different receivers have posted at least 12 PPR points against the Bengals this season. Tight end Tyler Conklin, New York Jets versus Miami Dolphins. The big question surrounding Conklin entering week four was what kind of involvement would he see with Zach Wilson returning to the lineup? All things considered, the former Viking was targeted enough to keep him relevant. His five looks produced three catches for 52 yards. Not exactly what you want to see, but it's not like he went from eight looks per game under Joe Flacco down to two. One aspect worth noting is the yards per reception went up 
lineup, including the average depth of target going from 2.8 to 8 under Wilson. More importantly, Miami has surrendered crazy volume to tight ends in 2022, ranking as the easiest opponent for catches and number three for yardage generated. While only one in every 15 completions has found the end zone, there's plenty of PPR upside to chase here. For more award-winning tips, news, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. It's the return of one of my favorite segments that we've done in previous seasons. Uh, our questions of the week. Three hot take inducing questions for Alyssa. You ready, Alyssa? Let's do this. Okay, I'm ready. I'm excited that this is back. I yeah, got, we're back. We're back. Lots, there's a lot to cover, not just obviously Luke in the offense. So, I mean, it's going to be great. Absolutely. And uh, here's one thing that's really uh, plaguing the offense. Here's where question number one lands. Um, because we've been talking about, yeah, maybe Matt Eberflus and Getzey. The game plans have been a little too conservative, to say the least. Well, I think the number one reason of that, yeah, maybe they don't have a lot of faith in Justin Fields, and, and we can see that, Alyssa, but also I don't think they have any faith that they can pass protect at all. Uh, so we continue to see Sam Mustafer struggle at center, and we continue to see Lucas Patrick basically um, just lost out there when we thought he was going to be the center in the first place, right? We talked about that in the summer. So I don't know what the plan is there. But now uh, we don't really know what's going to happen, right? Because the deck's going to get shuffled with Cody Whitehair um, injured, right? So what can the Bears do to shore up this offensive line that's just really, they're dominating in the run game, but they can't pass protect to save save their lives, Alyssa. Trent Dilfer went on TV on Monday and said, there's no cure for this line. They're just going to suck in pass protection all year. Can you find a cure for us for the offensive line? Uh, I think maybe find a time machine and go back in time. So you agree with Dilfer? (laughs) Yeah, I do. I mean, it's rough because, I mean, you look at it, it's because you think, you know, Ryan Poles is a former offensive lineman and he stressed the importance of, you know, really shoring up the trenches. And that's going to be obviously going to be a focal point heading into, we're already looking towards the offseason because let's be real, the Bears aren't doing anything this year. So, I mean, that's going to be a huge focus. But, you know, going back to the offseason, you would have liked to have seen them make some moves. You know, he tried to add Ryan Bates, you know, Lucas Patrick was his glory signing, you know, on the offensive line. And, you know, at center, we haven't seen him there yet. And I'm hoping we do, but we're not going to anytime soon because of Cody Whitehair. Right, right. Because man, like you said, Sam Mustafer has been brutal. I He's getting his ass do a, It's a disaster. I, I do like these weekly pro football focus, you know, like best and worst performances. And I had to do a double take when I looked at, obviously, Mustafer was the lowest graded player, offense or defense for the Bears. And I had to do a double take when I looked at his pass protection grade. Do you want to know what it was? Please. 1.5. I, I had wow. never seen it that anything that low in my Out of 100? 1.5 <laughs> out of 100. 1. That's not 5. good. That's not good. Like, one point, I've never seen that before. And I'm like, it was brutal the offensive line and they allowed six sacks five of them came in the first half i was getting flashbacks when jake cutler was sat by the giants like six times in one half and the, like 
It was brutal. Uh, and they allowed 12 pressures. Six of those came by Mustafer, by the way. Uh, and he allowed a, a sack or at many. least one, Way I think maybe many. two. I mean, and Lucas Patrick is just not the answer at guard. Like, I don't care. You put him out Le- right guard, left guard. It, it's just not working. And like one of the things that's been really frustrating, I know among fans and even myself, is that Lucas Patrick again got the start at right guard over Tevin Jenkins, who clearly after Cody Whitehair, because I think Whitehair has been the best, most consistent offensive lineman this season. So naturally you lose him to any injury for, for probably at least a month. Uh, but Tevin Jenkins has been the second best lineman on this team. And the fact that Matt Eberflus has used the fact that he's had, he hasn't had strong practices as the reason why Lucas Patrick was getting the start over him. But then when you see the game last week against Houston and just how terrible Lucas Patrick was, and how good Tevin Jenkins has been. And it just makes no sense. And you're like, really? And that's how some of the things I'm scratching my head about Matt Eberflus, how he's approaching this. But now that Whitehair's out for the foreseeable future, now you have no chance you know, or no choice, right? You know, Tevin Jenkins gets to start an entire game, you know, barring any kind of injury or something at right guard. So I'm excited to see that. But I mean, oh my gosh, it's it's brutal. Even the tackles, like I, get, I know Braxton Jones, he's a fifth round rookie, you know, Larry Borum, a fifth rounder from last year. I mean, that's just not the answer. That's not how you're going to succeed and help your quarterback. And that's one of the things that we, you know, we talked about. And I know the national media has talked about just how frustrated they were with Ryan Poles and not focusing on helping fields this year, because yes, it's clear that he's building for the future, but at the expense of your quarterback, I think we can say, already four games in because he looks like a shell of himself from last year. And like we saw how confident he looked at times last year, you know, and coming into this, you need to help your quarterback, like get him weapons, get him protection because he was the most sack quarterback, you know, when he was out there last year, he missed time because of it, because of the injuries he suffered. So, I mean, it's, it's brutal. And you, you know, like you said, maybe that is a factor as to why they're running the ball as much as they can. They're not going to come out and say our offensive line can't block, (laughs) but you know, at the same time, it's just, it's really frustrating because it, you know, it's clear that yes, he has some processing issues uh, with, you know, diagnosing defenses and stuff, but he also does not like, he feels so uncomfortable back there that he's not even getting to that point. Like, you know what I mean? Where he's just, He's trying not to die back there. And that's why we've seen him take off at times, even when there is a play to be made downfield. He's just trying to survive at this point. And the offensive line and the struggles that they've had and just how terrible they've been, that's a big reason why. And one thing I do love about Fields on that point, Alyssa, is he doesn't bitch. He doesn't really do anything during the game. He doesn't say anything after the game. He's just, he is a leader. Um, I still believe in him as a leader and as the QB1 and as the future. Uh, but yeah, I'm still chuckling over something you said. Um, you know, our offensive line can't block. You know, it's just like it, it reminds me of that great uh, quote from Bad Boys. Uh, that's a stupid problem to have, but it's it is a problem that our offensive line cannot block. Um, so, uh, so there it is. For the record, Alyssa agrees with Trent Dilfer. There is no cure. We're screwed. We can't pass block. Uh, but speaking of fields, that's where I was going with question number two. You hit on some of this. The critics have been loud, right? I mean. They haven't been shy to point out that Fields is struggling. We know he's struggling with some confidence. We know his offense is super conservative. We know his pass blocking is bad, uh, just to be nice. We, but have his critics been too quick to forget, Alyssa, that he has no wide receivers to throw to? 
outside of Darnell Mooney, who made a, a nice sighting this week. Because again, who else are the Giants? Who else are they covering? It's only Mooney. So the fact that Mooney broke out a little bit in this game was a great sight. I mean, Equinadius St. Brown, Dante Pettis, invisible in this one. Valus Jones Jr., as you said, wasn't out there. They're trying to dial up stuff for Cole Komet, but, you know, that didn't really work. Um, You know, hitting hitting him up with those screens. Who exactly is Fields supposed to throw to, right? I mean, I feel like this man needs a representative receiver core before anyone can really, truly evaluate him, right? Like, he is really... He's impossible to really, truly evaluate. And I've been one kind of pushing against this narrative for a long time. Like, I've been like, hey, hey, look how f- he, he can't just get off scot-free. He is not playing well. And, and that, is, that is part of it. And when he physically plays terrible like he did in week three, we're going to come on here and say it, right? And we did. We did a whole segment on how poorly Fields played um, in our episode last week. But uh, people are just bashing Fields in the media. And I just don't feel like they're seeing the whole, the whole picture, right? It's like this receiving core plus this O-line plus this coach with no confidence in the passing game equals like impossible to fill out the progress report for Justin Fields. That's kind of where I'm at with Fields. But that was a long-winded question. What's the question? Was there a question in there, Alyssa? Um, have the critics been too quick to forget that Fields has all these things working against him? Are they being too harsh on him? I think so. And especially because, you know, going back to the offseason when everyone – jumped on the bears of the worst team are going to be the worst team only going to win one or three games in the league train. You know, the thing that they pointed out was the lack of weapons around fields, the offensive line that he doesn't have anyone to throw to aside Darnell, besides Darnell Mooney. So they definitely have forgotten that for sure. And Oh my gosh. And that made me think of, I was, like, as you were talking and talking about how bad this receiving core is and how Mooney is essentially the only one I flash back to 2017 uh, Mitchell Trubisky's rookie year and the, the the wide receiving core that he had, which was just god-awful. And to the point where Ryan Pace traded in the middle of the season, his big trade for a receiver was with the Chargers for Dontrell Inman. And I'm just, like, looking back, like, just how both Ryans are just kind of, like, neglecting the <laughs> receiver position and just, like, underestimating how, yes, it is important for your quarterback to have guys to throw the ball to. I mean, the fact that Dante Pettis saw as many reps as he did last week, just and because of injuries, you know, uh, Byron Pringles on IR. Um, I mean, that's just not good. <laughs> that's not going to help your quarterback at all. And you know, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen this week. But somebody, your old buddy Ryan, uh, Nikhil Harry, is eligible to come off of IR Ooh, this week. The savior. Uh, he had ankle the savior, surgery. Nikhil yeah, Harry. maybe he yeah. is this. Savior, like I don't. Hey, maybe not a savior, but he maybe a competent receiver next to Darnell Mooney. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't know. So. Maybe <laughs> you don't think so? No, nope, nope. he is anything at but a competent point, receiver. <laughs> but maybe at this point, let's try it. Like I mean, everything else isn't working. Let's let's see what Nikhil Harry can do. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, no, I want it. I want it. Believe me, but believe me, he they used him as a freaking blocker. That was what he. That's what he brought to his best games with the Patriots was was him blocking. But we did. I did a whole rant on that. Go find it. It was an episode from uh, this summer. We appreciate our listeners. If you guys want to go back and listen to that, um, Justin Fields needs blocking too. Yes, can he yeah. pass protect? I mean, gee, yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's a pretty good blocker. He's pretty good. Okay, then there we go. But it was then more in the run game, I think, than anything. So unfortunately, so that that's just going to get. Uh, Getsy to keep hitting it off, unfortunately, <laughs> Alyssa. But that's where that's where I wanted to go with question number three. Uh, it kind of goes around this topic of the coaching staff, and you know we do see Fields continuing to struggle with his play and with his confidence. 
How about Kyler Gordon, right? He continues to look confused and lost. Ouch. Um, the Giants were clearly targeting him on those uh, bootlegs. And he was, As they, they should. there was one where Gordon's kind of on the edge. He's kind of like eyeing the quarterback. The, there's a play action. Gordon turns, looks at the tight end, runs away, puts his back to the quarterback. And Daniel Jones has a third of the football field to just, it was just like the parting. You know, he was just like opening the door for Daniel Jones to just run untouched down the sideline for like 20 or 30 yards. It's like, oh my God, what are we doing? So, uh, yeah. Uh, the Giants definitely had better coaching on Sunday, as you said, Alyssa. And it is an early sample size, but there's a lot of young talent that the Bears are trying to develop. You have this first-year coach of Matt Eberflus. Is he the guy? Like, are you trusting him right now with the development of all this young talent on the team, starting with Fields, but but also going to guys like Kyler Gordon and some of these guys that they that they just drafted? That's a good question. Because I would kind of argue maybe on the defensive side of things. I mean, this is where it comes, or the thing that he's a defensive head coach comes in. But at the same time with Kyler Gordon, to start with him, you know, you look around the rest of the league. If Kyler Gordon is not their top draft pick, he's probably on the bench. He's playing two positions. He's playing outside and the nickel. But at this point, I think that when Jalen Johnson does come back, uh, that they need to just stick Kyler, like, in the slot and leave him there and go with Kendall Vildor on the outside opposite Jalen Johnson, like stop moving him around, give him one position to focus on. Cause that's just, it, you're they're overwhelming him a little bit. And that's kind of going into the development because yes, he was viewed as along with Jaquan Brisker as rookies that are going to start right away, be immediate contributors, but, and Brisker, I mean, he's had some ups and downs, but he's been doing fine. Whereas Gordon, I mean, it's been rough for him. So at what point do you need to lessen the load for him and that's going to go a long way in his development because we saw Jalen Johnson during his rookie season. He started right away. and He thrived. But it, that's not always the case for everybody. So, you know, Eberflus and this coaching staff need to help him out, take, take a little bit off his plate. You know what I mean? And then kind of looking to the offense. I mean, this is my biggest concern is, is Eberflus. And we talked about this last week, Ryan, about how we feel Matt Eberflus isn't necessarily prioritizing Justin Fields' development. You know, right, he's more concerned with wins, which, I mean, makes sense, right? That's his job is to win football games. But he's also trying to win during a season where he doesn't necessarily need to because this is not a season where if the Bears don't make the playoffs and they're going to get fired, blah, 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 blah. No, this is, because this is viewed as a long-term project. So, and Justin Fields is a big part of that project, or they're hoping. I know that this new regime doesn't have any ties to him, but at the same time, you're hoping this is probably the most talented quarterback prospect that I've seen in a while. So you're hoping that you can develop him to be that guy, to be that franchise quarterback. And it's very concerning when you look at what Fields is going through these first four weeks, because he just looks kind of dejected. Like he's not used, he doesn't look like when we saw him with swagger last, last year, you know, and even when things were rough, he knew that he could make plays and he was confident. And maybe he knew that this new coaching or that the old coaching staff was on their way out, you know, whatever. But I mean, I, it's hard because I don't necessarily trust Eberflus to do that. He's a head, he's a defensive minded head coach The you know, Ryan Poles essentially is entrusting. And this, the, this whole organization is entrusting, you know, Luke Getze and Andrew Janoco to develop fields. But I mean, at this point, I don't necessarily feel comfortable. And when I watch that game on Sunday and you see what Brian Dayball has done with a bad Giants team, 
you know, it really made me stop and wonder, did Chicago make the right decision? Did they make the right decision going with a defensive-minded head coach? Because it kind of seems like they flip-flop. You know what I mean? With head, with head coaches, even no doubt. going back yep. to Lodi Smith, they, he was a defensive-minded head coach. Then they went and hired an offensive-minded head coach in Mark Trestman. Then when he didn't work out and was a disaster, like, oh, no, let's go back to a defensive-minded head coach in John Fox. And then, oh, no, that defensive-minded head coach. Let's try an offensive-minded head coach for Mitchell Trubisky, Matt Nagy. Didn't work out. Guess what? They're back to a defensive-minded head coach in Matt Eberflus. And it's just like the same continuous cycle. And he's not someone that's going to prioritize the offense in Justin Fields' development. When I feel like I, I'm like, I'm wondering, what would Justin Fields look like with Brian Dayball? Like, and like I'm trying not to play the what-if game. There's so many what-ifs in Bears franchise history. But there's this picture, because I when I was going through um, – all these these photos from AP and all that. There's this picture of Justin Fields and Brian Dable shaking hands after the game, and Justin has a smile on his face and like, oh, <laughs> we could have had it if all. If only, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, it's just like the what if because I know you know obviously with from Matt Nagy or Mark Trestman, just because you're an offensive minded head coach doesn't necessarily guarantee you're going to be a good head coach or that you're going to be a good offensive coordinator. I mean, but. We, we've seen Brian Dable's success in Buffalo. Even what he's doing now, he's still learning on the job like Matt Eberflus is. He hasn't been perfect, but what he's done with this Giants team has been impressive. And, I mean, I was just kind of reminded by that. So, I mean, yeah, that was a rough one to swallow. Mm. Mm. Love it. Nothing gets the hut takes out of Alyssa like questions of the week. I'm, I'm, i got to bring these back <laughs> again. So good. Such good stuff. Yeah, I mean, you see Eberflus like kind of really just – doubling down and committing to the Kyler Gordon Swiss army knife thing. Like you said, moving him yeah. all over the place. He's going to do it all. And then continues to say in his pressers. No, he just, he's just a young player. He just got to keep working. Got to keep getting reps. It's like, it's a rookie. He's a rookie. You got to like, you know, it's not like these guys just come into the league and dominate. Some of them do. And you tip your caps to them, but it's, it's few and far between. Doesn't mean Kyler Gordon's a bad player, but are they putting too much on his plate? And is the head coach noticing it? Oh, that's a fair question. It is a fair question. Great stuff there, Alyssa. Great stuff there. Yeah, but that's interesting. Go back to that too, because one of the things that uh, the defensive coordinator Alan little sorry, try that again. Yep. One of the things that defensive coordinator Alan Williams mentioned, even back during mini camp and OTAs, was that they were going to start Kyler Gordon on the outside, and you know there was at, you know there were a lot of questions about okay, but he's played nickel. Will you try him in both places? And Alan, Alan Williams said, we're going to start him outside because we don't want to put too much on his plate. He's a rookie, right? They're going to see what he can handle. But I thought it was going to be more of a gradual thing during the season. Not necessarily. I mean, like they kind of threw him into the fire in training camp and had him playing both positions, which it's good to get those reps in. But during the season, I thought they'd kind of just stick him with, you know, one position. And you feel bad for Kyler Gordon because – Everyone knows to pick on him. I expect Kirk Cousins to pick on Kyler Gordon no repeatedly doubt. next week. I mean, it's going to be brutal because Kirk Cousins is a much better quarterback than Daniel Jones. We, I mean, it's one thing when Aaron Rodgers is doing it, you know what I mean? But then when you see Daniel Jones, I mean, like, it's just, it's wake-up call. And I think that going back to that last question, right, do we trust Eberflus with this young talent? I mean, yes, Kyler Gordon's a rookie. He deserves reps. But at the same time, you need to take care of him and make sure – that he's in a good headspace and do things, do something that, that you can control. Like right when Jalen Johnson comes back, let's just keep Kyler Gordon at nickel. Let's put Kendall Builder, who's actually done a very decent job on while Jalen Johnson has been out and keep him on the outside. 
I thought that was a fun little segment, Alyssa. Hot takes all over the place. We should have hired uh, Brian Dayball. Love it. Good take right there. Uh, but we still have to talk about Bears-Vikings. Bears, big road underdogs. We'll tell you how much, and we'll make predictions here coming up next. But first, here's a free play from the Bet Slipping Podcast. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, everyone. This is Nathan with the Bet Slipping Podcast. Be sure to check us and our sportsbook provider, Tipico, out. All odds are provided by our friends at Tipico. Tipico Sportsbook is a global betting leader. New users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply 21 plus. See the site for details. So the Raiders and Chiefs have Monday night football. The Raiders are plus seven and are starting to figure things out offensively, rushing for over 200 yards against Denver. They have a couple elite offensive playmakers, and the Chiefs' opponent's completion percentage is the second worst in the league at just over 70%. In both games, the Chiefs have played outside of a two-score finish. No opposing rusher has had over 30 yards on their own. The Raiders should look much better and should be able to hold this within a touchdown. Give me Las Vegas plus seven. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, the Bears, big road dogs in Minnesota this week. The spread is seven and a half. Money line, Alyssa, plus 270 on Tipico if you want to pick the Bears as an underdog. But don't do that because here's why I'm laying the points and placing my betting unit on Minnesota to cover in this one. And I just feel like, you know, the Vikings, Alyssa, even though they do have a good run game with Dalvin Cook, they're among the more pass-happy teams in the entire NFL. Actually, they average close to 40 pass attempts per game. And when you, you counterbalance that with Jalen Johnson being out with this quad injury, we're not sure if he's going to come back. I think the last we heard from him is he's still not sure if he's going to make it back for this one. Gosh, do we need Jalen Johnson in the lineup? Poor Kyler. Can you imagine Kyler Gordon going up against uh, Justin Jefferson if that's the matchup? Oh, no. Poor Kyler Gordon. Oh God. Um, so the Vikings are this pass-happy team. It kind of is meshing up well with the Bears' struggles in the secondary right now, especially with their best guy out. And then you have the Bears on the other side. They never pass, right? They're averaging like 15 pass attempts per game or whatever it is. They're way down near the bottom. So you got this one team that's really pass happy, one that's not. Uh, So for me, it's just like, I feel like all those metrics are working against the Bears in this game. And oh, by the way, it's also in Minnesota. So I don't have any problem putting my betting unit on Minnesota minus seven and a half in this one. Oh, gosh, I absolutely agree. (laughs) Like, give me Minnesota in the seven and a half easily. I don't think this game is going to be close. Uh, I mean, I think it's another, it's not going to be like a one possession game, even though like, I mean, divisional games, you can never write them off unless it's bears Packers, which, you know, we always know how that's going to end. So, Um, but even with this game, like you said, I mean, not even focusing on the bears offense, let's just look at the Vikings offense and what they can do to this bears defense. Like I know the bears uh, defense is allowing, I think like the third or fourth fewest passing yards, that's going to change this week. I mean, you look at who they've played. I mean, I aside from obviously they're playing Trey Lance in a monsoon. Aaron Rodgers had an off day, you know, right when he played them. 
You had Davis Mills and Daniel Jones. I mean, like, did Jones even Kirk throw Cousins, the ball? I think they. Did. I, I can't even remember a good pass the Giants made in the game. They just ran it. I think. Yeah. No, he didn't. They didn't throw that much, uh, which was shocking. But again, you had Saquon Barkley. So why? Why do you right. need to? Because he yep. ran all over them. And the Bears now officially have the worst run defense in the league again. Right, allowing almost a hundred. Uh, 90 yards, it's close to 200 yards a game, and you have Dalvin Cook uh, there, so that could be ugly. I mean, well, but like you yep. said, you know, they are a past happy offense, and this is a game where I'm just like praying because I know the first injury report's going to come out uh, the day after we're recording this that Jalen is like limited or something because like they need Jalen Johnson in this game. Yep. Otherwise, you have Kendall Vildor and Kyler Gordon on the outside when they're not in nickel. And then when they're in nickel, you have undrafted rookie Jalen Jones on the outside. I mean, it's just, that's a recipe for disaster. But again, like now I just thought about how, I think it was the Monday night game last year. You remember when the Bears secondary, the entire starting secondary got COVID and they had to bring, they were bringing everyone up from the practice squad and oh including God. one Thomas Graham, and they held, who is not on the Bears they, anymore. They held Cousins to like under a hundred yards or something. Yeah. It was something ridiculous. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking of that. But again, they had Thomas Graham, who actually that was his first start, looked really good. Huh. Someone who he didn't make the he didn't make the active roster and he should have. Uh, and then got poached off the practice squad uh, a few weeks ago. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's just it, it could be a bloodbath. And like you said, this game is in Minnesota. I mean, if, if they were favored by 10, 10 and a half, I would still take the Vikings uh, easily in this one. So I don't know. Not <laughs> like the, maybe, we're not loving the bears if justin fields like looks decent that would soften the blow a little bit but this is going to be a brutal one yes this is going to be brutal um i put in my notes that i think the defense is going to give up 30 plus in this game um oh, because, yeah. because i just don't think they're going to have a lot of help so that's all i think we both clearly like the vikings so i just want to put this into the universe Alyssa, before we sign off what's the game plan going to be luke right like what's the game plan going to be getsy because if this is like the same like commitment to the run, we're gonna play not to lose. We're gonna we're gonna play defense. We're gonna we're gonna take them. No 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 no. Like I said, you're gonna give up thirty plus points in this game. Like it's not a good matchup for the Bears defense, and you're probably going to lose by double digits if you come out there trying to run the football in every single play. So if there's ever a game for the Bears to go out there and go down swinging, and open it up a little bit and try to attack through the air and get some points on the board on the road, wouldn't this be it? This is it. If they're ever going to take more shots with the fan base screaming for it, clamoring, like they just pleading for it, right? I mean, I'm not the only one speaking this into the universe, right? Like all Bears fans want them to open it up a little bit. This is the week, isn't it? Like you're seven and a half point dogs on the road. Nobody's giving you a shot to win this. We're not. We're not expecting this to be a win for the Bears. So can you just take the training wheels off and go try to win and try to go make some plays and, I don't know, put up some points? Because the Vikings are going to score, in my opinion. So... That was just my, that's what I wanted to speak into the uh, universe, Alyssa. Just, if not now, when? It's it's time to take some shots, and this would be the week. I agree, and that, that, that's great. I'm really glad you brought that up, because you don't need to win this year. Like, that's, I mean, you, you're not tanking necessarily, but they're playing so conservative on both sides, and you don't need to be. Like, you're expected to lose. You're not going to get fired. You need to have, like, it's not winning that's important. It's to player development this year and seeing, you know, hey, do you have somebody that you could re-sign, right? You know, seeing some, from some of these one-year deals that Ryan Poles had, developing Justin Fields, let him air it out. Like, what is it going to hurt? Like, I mean, woo, he throws a couple interceptions on a couple of balls. But hey, if he's actually hitting on some of these deep balls and he's getting gaining confidence, then it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, who cares if he has two interceptions if he's hitting 
you know, some other deep passes and building confidence and opening up this passing game, which this Vikings defense is allowing, I just looked it up, 263 and a half yard passing yards per game. They're also allowing over 130 yards rushing. And I feel like Luke Getz is going to be like, oh, okay, this would be another good game to run the ball. But no, let Justin throw it. Like, let him throw, please. It's, <laughs> like, this it's is time. like you said. It's time. If not, when? Yeah. Like, we're five weeks into the season. And, like, the Bears are, like, on pace to have, like, historically one of the worst offenses, passing offenses. I mean, it's just, just just let him, just trust him. Like, you're not going to be fired this year unless you keep doing stuff like this, like, <laughs> where you're just, like, hurting the quarterback. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not asking for as many pass attempts that Kirk Cousins will probably have, but I'm, yeah. you know, just open it up a little bit. Take some shots. Let's go. Let's Let's play some football here. Uh, but no, it's going to be, let's shorten the game. Let's, let's hold the ball. Let's keep that offense on the sidelines. It's going to be all that crap, Alyssa. We know how that's going to end up for the Bears. So anyway, we'll see how that works out. How, do you, how are you feeling? I know you had a lot of rants uh, that you had to get off your chest here on the episode. Do you feel any better? Was this like kind of therapeutic for you? Yeah, it's, it's always therapeutic. And, you know, we were talking before we, we jumped on here and started filming how, I mean, we always feel like we're, I mean, since last year, it's been the same. And the last two years, really where we always feel like we're doing the same show because it's like the same things over and over yep, again. Yep. But, you know, but just like a little tweak. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's always nice to come on here and kind of hash it out and try to kind of come away optimistic. Not that I'm coming away optimistic heading into this game, but I mean, usually. I mean, I felt optimistic heading into the game last week. I don't know. Maybe maybe this week they'll surprise me. Please surprise me. I beg of you. <laughs> well, that's... That's Alyssa Barbieri right there. Make sure you're checking out Alyssa's stuff on Bears Wire. It's all good. And her team, they do great stuff over there. Let's go Bears. Tough game against the Vikings, but we'll see how that turns out for Alyssa. I'm Ryan O'Leary. We'll be back next week. Alyssa knows how to say bye to the listeners, though. Bear down and Luke Getze. Let Justin throw. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.